You know, I've been thinking lately again, Chris, it always gets me in trouble, but then I do a radio show about it once I come down. I've been thinking again that, you know, if this is not the end times, it's really a good dress rehearsal. And there are several reasons for that. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Steel on Steel. We're taking the 30,000-foot view in economics, politics, and religion. John Luffner here, Steve Schiller producing. Thought we'd focus on the religious aspect of everything going on. Used to talk to a Lutheran pastor who would always, when I would say, you know, this looks a lot like the end times, he would sort of glibly dismiss it by saying, well, that's what people thought before, too. Although the more I go back and look at history, like Bonhoeffer and the Christians who lived prior to Hitler, they were trying to see if it fit in, but the pieces didn't fit, nor did it in Luther's time. Not the way it's fitting today. And actually, in Daniel, we're told that much of the prophecy is going to stay sealed up until the end times. Now, however, if you go through, Daniel even had a Jewish friend recently ask me about, what do you think about Daniel 7? (laughs) I thought, well, that was sort of interesting that he should ask me that question. And if you go through the prophecies, especially in Revelation, you now see how all those prophecies are possible from artificial intelligence, the image of the beast doing things, having an intelligent function. We're approaching a massive global inflation, and we can go on and on. So I thought we would talk to somebody who talks about that. And Dr. J.B. Hickson, president of Not By Works Ministries, has a new book out, Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception. That is the hallmark, by the way, of the nations of the world being deceived in the end times. And I noticed, J.B., you really covered a lot in your book. It, and this is this is only volume one, is that it? And you sort of covered everything that was going on. But if I had to throw it over to you and say, give me some summary bullet points of why it's really possible we're in the end times or probable, along with, like you say, the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah, thanks, John. So great to be on and always good to talk to you. So your story about your Jewish friend really got me chuckling. You know, Jesus had some harsh words to say for the Jewish leaders of his day about not being able to discern the signs of the times. If you remember, he said, you know, you can look at the sky and see the weather, but you can't discern the signs of the times. And so, yeah, I think we are definitely seeing the stage being set. You know, obviously we can't predict when the rapture will happen. No one should even try that. But we can certainly see the stage being set for end times prophecy and recognize that we are very likely living in the last of the last days. So give me some flags. I mean, you you did them in your book, the things that you think are converging here to make that possible. See, I used to ask, and let me tell you why I asked this question. I would talk to pastors in the 90s. They'd be out there preaching about the tribulation and the end times and Antichrist. And then I would try to tell them about globalism and the move towards global currency, blah, blah, blah. And they'd go, that's conspiracy theory. And I kept looking at them, well, how do you expect us, Pastor, to get from where we are today, meaning back in the 90s, to where we have to be in what the book of Revelation describes? And they never put this connection together. Yeah, so I've been actually studying this for 15 years. This book is my second book on the topic, but it's the most comprehensive so far. And as you said, it's just one of two volumes, just because it would have been six or 700 pages. But the whole premise of Spirit of the Antichrist comes from John's first epistle in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, where he says, The Antichrist is coming, capital A, that future man of sin that Paul talks about and Daniel talked about in Daniel 9. But he says, even now many antichrists have come. 
And he goes on in chapter 4 to say, This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming, and he says, and is now already in the world. So I got to thinking, if the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world, and we know biblically quite a few characteristics of the future Antichrist, the man that will rule the world, the evil tyrant uh, ruling at the behest of Satan for that seven-year period just prior to Christ's return, we have all kinds of descriptions of his activities and attitudes and so forth in Scripture. Well, if his spirit's already at work among us, we ought to see some manifestations of that spirit all around us. So I just made a list of the seven most prominent characteristics of that future Antichrist, and then I just started looking and said, what do we see around us? And sure enough, we see an uptick in just about every possible category. But you're right, what we're heading towards is a one-world, satanically-driven system, politically, religiously, economically, that will be ruled by the Antichrist after the rapture, during that seven-year tribulation period, the great and terrible day of the Lord, as it's talked about in Scripture. And by the way, there's nothing in Scripture that precludes us from already being in some form of a one-world government, prior to the rapture. The Bible simply says that the Antichrist will take the helm of it for seven years. It doesn't say that he will institute it. So if the Lord tarries his coming, John, I really believe we're going to see in the next few years a complete breakdown of national sovereignty and an ushering in of a one-world system. And that's what they're telling us they're going to do. The Luciferians themselves are in print again and again and again, and I cite the sources in the book. By the way, the book has 38 pages of bibliographic citations, so you can do your own research. But, you know, they've been saying this is what we're heading for. And you see things like the pandemic. I have 50 pages that deal with the pandemic, and it's not about what it's about. I think most people by now have figured that out, and how they're using that to bring in a massive control grid system and have this one-world government. We talk about things like geoengineering. Now, that's a topic that you know I was talking about 15 years ago and was even censored at some conferences that I spoke at, where the conference coordinator came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I'm going to have to edit that out of the final DVD because I just, I'm not so sure about that. Well, now those same conference coordinators are calling me and saying, man, you were right. Where can we get more info on that? So I got a whole chapter on geoengineering and how they're, under the guise of climate change, they're spraying hard metal nanoparticles, aluminum, barium, strontium, and other things into the skies, which are devastating not only crops, but also people as part of a massive depopulation effort. A lot of people never even studied that, but it's right there in plain sight. I give dozens of mainstream newspaper articles, patents, congressional hearings, those types of things. So yeah, it's all around us in plain sight. We talk about Operation Mockingbird and the false left-right paradigm. We talk about the Hegelian dialectic, which is one of their driving... Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a real important one, too, as far as the deception that's going on, because they get false dichotomies going, and they've got everybody running back and forth between these dichotomies, when in reality they're moving us to a different destination. You're really right about that. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about that at length, the history of it, give lots of examples of it, but you're exactly right. It's basically a controlled opposition. It's creating a crisis so that people will beg for a solution when the solution all along was what they were wanting us to do anyway. <laughs> so, you know, if you wanted everybody to take a experimental gene editing bioinjection, but nobody's just going to sign up for that, right? Well, you got to create the need. You got to establish a pandemic and let people know they're going to die a cruel death if they don't roll up their sleeve. And so that's just one example, but they used that credo that Hegel came up with. It's the problem, reaction, solution. So that's all around. So I give lots of examples of that in there. And when you start to see their playbook, then it kind of opens up a whole new viewpoint. It's all around us. And by the way, the 
Bible tells us that deception is going to get worse and worse, 2 Timothy 3.13. So we are more deceived today than we were yesterday, and we'll be more deceived tomorrow than we are today. So it's ratcheting up, it's coming to a head. People in every generation have always thought maybe this could be the day. But when you just look at the sheer fact of the data of what they're accomplishing in the way of life and gender, you know, I call it the gender surrender movement, attacks on the very fundamental image of God and man, it has unquestionably reached new heights. And it tells me we're knocking on the door of the endgame. It's interesting, the confluences for me. Everybody began hyper-focusing on the masks and the mandates. What really got picked up on that is look at the reaction of governments. Now, we have completely changed our relationships with first responders, with policemen, with government itself, and with the structure of law. We've allowed a lot of arbitrary things to be put in place, oftentimes in violation of the law, in the name of preventing this pandemic, a lot of which has just turned out to be totally destructive. That's the real long-term disruption. And if you watch where it's headed, all of the governments in the West have just been proceeding in this totalitarian direction. You see where the dollar is approaching its endgame, and we're going to have to create a whole new currency, which will probably be a digital currency, something along those lines. And of course, we know in the end times, you look at inflation, you look at the horsemen, and the inflation just goes berserk. Well, the main banks of the world have been inflating, 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 and now we're almost to the point where the devil's going to demand his due. That wasn't true before. We're going to have famines now because of the shortages in food and in oil production because of this war between Russia and Ukraine. We won't be able to produce fertilizers. Fertilizers are produced from natural gas. The, the whole thing just cavalcades. It's amazing when you look at all of the pieces now. And you and I can debate various parts of it. Let's face it. Pre-tribbers have been debating this stuff for decades, right? But you can see all these moving parts, and there are just a few left that seem to be waiting to be dropped in place. Yeah, I mean, one of the researchers that I followed for years used to call it a totalitarian tiptoe over the last century, 100 years. But in this book, I describe it as more of a dictatorial dash. They are heading towards the finish line. And by the way, we understand that God is sovereign and God may not be ready to enter the end times. He may not be ready to call the church home to meet the Lord in the air. But what I can tell you is that the Luciferians, in their own writings and in their own declassified documents, leaked documents, they have been saying for some time now that this is their decade. They've been shooting for the 2020s. We have documents going back over 100 years ago when people like Alice Bailey and you know other demonically influenced Satanists were supposedly channeling demons and claiming that this is the time frame. I listened to a podcast just recently by a guy, I don't know if he's a believer, but he's a world-class economics expert, total guru when it comes to economics, has all kinds of algorithms that have been cited by mainstream media and Harvard studies showing his predictions over the last few years. And I heard him say on this interview, just matter-of-factly, that the United States will cease to exist by 2024 to 2027. Now, he might not be right, but I'm just saying there are a lot of precincts reporting that are targeting everything coming to a head now. The Great Reset, Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, the Great Pandemic, which was planned 22 years ago and rolled out as a manufactured pandemic. So they're definitely marching forward. They've shifted into high gear. Again, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. God is not willing that any should perish, and his timetable is what matters. He's omniscient, and he may decide to let it keep going. But they're coming for us, and it's rapidly approaching this totalitarian system. 
you can actually see that if you're watching it. And what astounded me was in Canada, how Trudeau began invoking emergency powers and freezing or seizing the bank accounts of even people who donated to the convoy. You have to picture how dangerous this is now. And that means political dissent will not be tolerated, will go right directly after your finance with no due process of law. And yet the Canadians are snoozing through this whole thing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and we're the same way. I mean, you're exactly right. But I've been saying for years, if you can't touch it, you don't own it. And so I'm not a financial advisor. People have to make their own choices. But for my part, I feel like you need to stop counting your portfolio as dots and dashes on a computer screen and make sure you can touch it. Because as we saw with Canada, it's just too easy with the flip of a switch and your entire life savings can be gone. But, you know, you talked about changes in the law, and it's really not even changes in the law. That that wasn't your term. But how things are taking a different face now and decrees and dictates. You know, I've cautioned people early on when they were cheering the likes of, you know, so-called conservative Republican governors for issuing these edicts banning, you know, mask mandates or this and that. I said, be careful what you wish for, because we don't believe in dictatorial leadership by governors or mayors or presidents, regardless of the decision. We may like the decision, but the minute we allow them to do that, we've set a precedent. And when the next guy comes in and he issues a decree that we don't agree with or don't like, we really have no recourse. So I think the government should have stayed out of all of this, this medical tyranny on both sides and let people make their own choices based on intelligent research. And of course, you know, as I cite in the book, there are literally hundreds of thousands worldwide of doctors, surgeons, scientists, virologists, pediatricians, you name it, that have signed on exposing the pandemic as a fraud. And of course, they're all being censored, in many cases, losing their jobs, especially in places like Canada and Australia and New Zealand. But they're out there. You don't hear about them if all you watch is Fox News, but they're out there. And the question is, what do they know that we don't? Yeah. Let me ask a question. When people say the pandemic was a fraud, it was a real disease. And a lot of people have been killed by it. The question was, A, was it deliberately released? Or B, were they anticipating a pandemic and this one came along? I just don't come down quite on that side with that. You know, I do agree that the question that it should have been left to the doctors, the politicos who know nothing about medicine should have stayed out of it, and the draconian laws are terrible. But I've known too many people who've died from this thing. Yeah, so we have to differentiate between died from and died with. So as I demonstrate in the book, and as a lot of top-level researchers have shown, the evidence is overwhelming, the smoking gun evidence. I think I give 12 or 15 smoking gun evidence that this was pre-planned, the patents were done in advance, the testing kits were made two years in advance. This was not some accidental release. It was an intentional bioweapon intended, and if you read that chapter, it's chapter 9 in the book, 50 pages of data that make this without dispute. So the way they calculated the deaths is with a PCR test that the CDC later admitted is worthless and cannot distinguish between the flu and the COVID-19. And so you can't even trust the numbers. But even still, it was people who died in the hospital and in many cases were tested post-mortem, shown to have COVID allegedly, and so they counted it as a COVID death. So there's no question that people died. We've all known people that have died. The question, though, is would they have died anyway? And what is COVID-19? It's a SARS-CoV-2 virus that was created in a lab and released intentionally, right on schedule, just like they told us it was going to be released. And I give the quotes, I give the documents, and show some of the research there in the book. But it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the virus. It was about the response to the virus classic Hegelian dialectic. They needed fear 
They needed people to bow down. That's the reason I believe Trump was elected. Because uh, can you imagine, John, what would have happened if President Hillary Clinton stood up and told evangelical conservative Christian churches to stop worshiping God on Easter Sunday? I mean, there would have been a civil war. But because a Republican stood up and said, you're not allowed to worship God on Easter Sunday, the vast majority of churches in America shut down. And then they needed Trump to push forward the shot, the Trump shot, which he did with trillions of dollars. He put his buddy Alex Azar in charge of Health and Human Services, who was the guy that did all of the psychotropic drugs with one of the big pharma companies. And then who did he put in charge of Warp Speed? One of the top executives from Moderna. Now, if that's not a conflict of interest, I don't know what is. I don't think Trump was in on it. I think Trump is a pretty independent-thinking guy. Everybody knows that. But I just think he was trusting the wrong people, and he was a useful tool, a pawn in the game at such a time as this. And then when they were through with him, of course, they, they got rid of him in the most obviously corrupt election in American history. And I've been talking about corrupt elections for 15 years. I've written about it. I was talking about the Dominion Chinese voting tabulation machines, those kinds of things. Nobody listened. But this year, because it was part of their plan to get Biden in there and to advance the things that are happening now that we see with Russia and Ukraine and Afghanistan before that, they had to leave nothing to doubt. So they had to get rid of Trump, who frankly won in a landslide if legitimate votes were counted. So it's all controlled. And again, don't take my word for it. If you buy the book, you can read the whole section there on the false left-right paradigm. Volume 2, we're going to get into much greater detail about the fake elections, give you all kinds of evidence of that. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that people died, the numbers don't lie, and the numbers have been pretty heavily exposed here in the last year especially. But, you know, the flu deaths were nothing along the order of what you would expect for a global pandemic that changed the way the world works. They were appreciably the same. The difference was we didn't have... Fox News and CNN cameras shining through the windows of nursing homes and giving firsthand accounts of all those deaths. It's sad when people die. We've known people that have died. I, I was seriously ill with COVID last fall. I mean, very, very ill. And, you know, it was a very, very nasty virus, no question about it. But I wouldn't go so far to say that it, quote unquote, killed a bunch of people. Yeah, interesting. Okay, J.B. Hickson, president of Not By Works Ministries at notbyworks.org. Uh, his latest book, which, as I said, it's pretty comprehensive. It covers a whole series of things. You may agree with some of the conclusions, maybe not with others. And, and by the way, one thing I was going to mention, JB, is when people talk about the end times, I remember in the 90s, one of the things that really bothered me was the fact that people would set up their little tables of timing and this and that and then go to squabbles with it. And I go, you know, I'd build some flex into your plan, <laughs> you know, because we're not going to be totally certain of all the timing until it really happens, I think. Yeah, I mean, what we can say for sure is that the last days, according to Scripture, is the present age. We see that phrase used again and again of the present church age. In fact, Hebrews talks about how in these last days God revealed himself through his Son, Jesus Christ. So with the birth of Christ, we entered the last days. And if you look at a panoramic view of history, that makes sense, because the only age to come is the kingdom age. So the end times, by contrast, starts with the rapture and is everything that comes after that. And there's certainly room for disagreement on some of the detail, but we definitely know the Bible makes a hard contrast between the last days and the coming end times. Yep, absolutely. Any closing thoughts or blogs you want people to check out? Yeah, they can check out the book at spiritoftheantichrist.org. That's spiritoftheantichrist.org. They can purchase it right there. 
And our website is notbyworks.org. You can sign up for our newsletter. We do several podcasts a week and videos and other things. But, yeah, just thanks for letting us get the word out. I think it's the most important book I've ever written. It's my 10th book. I've written a lot of theology books and other books. This one takes the theology and the biblical principle of the cosmic struggle between good and evil and Satan and God and overlays it with current events and says, is the spirit of the Antichrist today? Yeah, Satan and God and John. You forgot me. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Dr. J.B. Hickson, we haven't seen each other since I can't remember what conference we were speaking at together, but hope to hear from you again. As the, things are going to get, you know, if these are birth pangs, I call them the kawumps, the contractions, as a doctor friend of mine just said, they're going to come faster and more intensely now. So you have to be watching. But it's really good to hear your voice. Yeah, thanks so much, John. Appreciate your work uh, fighting for truth. You know, uh, Dr. Hickson says in his book frequently, he says, just, just don't take my word for it. Go over here and look at these sources and these sources and those sources. He repeatedly says he doesn't want you to take things at face value. That's an important thing because there's room for debate. Truth rotates around the ability to debate and dissent and challenge. That's what Scripture says, is iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. You work on each other like you take gems or semi-precious stones, put them in a tumbler, and they look pretty ratty when you throw them in there. And you roll them around in the tumbler for 20, I don't know, I'm not a gemologist, so I don't know, for however long it takes, and they come out all polished and neat, and they're more beautiful than they are. Now, that's what's being destroyed right now by the wokus pocus that's going on in cancel culture. The way that they deal with information that is especially critical is they stick their fingers in the ears and go, no, 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 cancel. That's what they do. Even if the facts go the other way, that is not important. Truth is not important to this crowd, okay? This is how they grew up. And that's why we are in trouble and must always continue to speak the truth. But another thing about the end times, and it depends on the denomination and their eschatology as to how they deal with that. And like I said, I was used to be irritated by this Lutheran pastor who would always just glibly spit this out as if this is supposed to wash it away, and he gave me something very profound. One, if you look at the answer of it, well, that's not how it works. There are two important levers that I have always used in approaching prophecy in the end times. Number one, Jesus said, you don't know the day or the hour. We won't get into the coming of the Lord versus rapture discussions, but you don't know the day or the hour. He says, but he does hold people accountable for knowing the season. Then if you go back to Daniel, Daniel asks at the end, uh, boy, this is pretty ratty stuff. Uh, what does it all mean? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he finally asks God. His answer that he's given is, never you mind. These things are sealed up until the times of the end, until many, many, many days hence. You go your way, and at the end of time, you will stand in the place that's allotted to you. So I really have believed for quite a long time that the end times prophecies would not be understood clearly except by the people in the end times as we approach them, because JB was right. You're not sure when all these things are going to happen. And I've always challenged people on their how they frame the rapture or the tribulation, if you're a pre-tribulationist, and try to lock everything in or out of it. I say, be real careful. These may be multiple events, and there may be a big run-up to it. So it's important to do that. 
but you're supposed to recognize the signs of things that have happened as an oncoming. And of course, one of the major ones of that was the reinstitution of the state of Israel. Can a nation be reborn in a day? Dry bones. And other prophecies related to that and things that came out of the absolute horror of World War II. You just can't grapple with how bad it was. And yet Jesus tells us that in the end times, it's going to be far worse than anything that has ever been on the earth before or ever will be again. Now think about that, even about what's going on in Ukraine. But what are we going to hear of wars and rumors of wars everywhere? What are we talking about? Wars and rumors of wars. What about global inflation, which was not well understood back then? when John was writing Revelation, was not well understood. We're really poised, and the Great Reset people know this, we're really poised for a major inflation. They're, you know, They were telling, well, we're keeping it under control. But, yeah, nonsense you are. We've inflated the currency, and now with this energy mismanagement, we've just doubled the role of inflation. It's just incredible. So you watch all of these chips working together, and I go, well, the dominoes seem to be falling if you just tick them off. And I, I guess maybe what I should do someday is, I'm not going to promise to do this. I should sit, because i got a lot going on here. <laughs> I've got to take all of the items and say, how many of the total items do we see coming true? That would be interesting. But don't be glib. You always have to be passionate about truth. You know, J.B. says that quite a bit in his book. Don't trust me. Just go look over here. And when he got off the air, he says, you know, it was good I mentioned that because he said, you know, I'm open for people arguing and debating and disputing. I'm not declaring these things that you have to believe as part of the pun gospel truth. So anyway, and as usual, all guests on the program have the rights to offer, you know that, their materials, their books, and everything else, whether we disagree with them or not. And the other thing we do is try to treat everybody fairly and equally. All right. First of all, I always say pray for us, please. We really need that right now. We're having some health issues in the family. Pray for us for vision and protection. Pray for those suffering for their faith around the world, North Korea, China, Iran, Iraq. Remember that we do have a Facebook page praying for persecuted Christians, and we keep current stories up there for you. And pray for our governments, those in charge of it at all different levels during this paradigm shift and time of transformation. On behalf of producer Steve Schiller, the daily podcast at SteelOnSteel.com, I'm John Leffler, and the program is Steel on Steel. Thank you.